everyone. Uh, if we just go to this first slide, um, you may remember this lady. Um, this is Jo Cox. Uh, she was MP for Batley and Spen in the north of England. Uh, she was tragically murdered in uh, June 2016 by someone who held pretty extreme views. And one of the things that she's become, uh, if you like, remembered for was her maiden speech to Parliament a year before that. And during that speech to Parliament, she said this. We are far, far more united and have far more in common with each other than those things that divide us. Powerful words and very poignant uh, given the dreadful events that unfolded a couple of years ago. And I believe that she was right. The journey that we're supposed to be on as a humanity is towards unity and not division. But I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking this, that we find ourselves in a very divided world. Brexit. Leavers versus Remainers. And in some parts of the media, that's, uh, that's played out as old versus young. Many politicians around our world are like Marmite. People either love them or hate them. Um, the Me Too campaign highlighted issues of gender equality and injustice. In the big cities around the United Kingdom, black youths are still 17 and a half times more likely to be stopped by the police compared to white youths. And it is into this context of fracture and division that the church is called by Jesus Christ to write a different story, to bring hope, to have answers that no one else has. The church, I believe, is to be a place where diversity comes together in unity because Jesus is creating a new humanity in himself. And so today we're going to think about how we can be different together. This is part of our series uh, entitled The Heart of Who We Are. We've been thinking about some of the things that are core to us as a vineyard church. And we've been uh, commending this book, um, Vineyard Values. It's published by Vineyard Churches in the UK and Ireland. It is only £5. It's really good. It unpacks a lot of what we've been talking about in this series and some great stories from around the vineyard. Now, what we're thinking about this week is not actually in the book, um, but it's something that we love and celebrate here at Riverside Vineyard. We love diversity of age, of gender, of background, and we also love being culturally diverse. And you may or may not be aware of this, but Riverside Vineyard Church is really quite unusual in being so culturally diverse. And so I'm going to share some things today. If you want to dig deeper in, uh, let me point you to a series that we taught through last autumn, so a year ago, um, entitled Different Together. And you'll find that up on our church website. You know, here at Riverside, we're committed to building a diverse church, uh, not to be politically correct, uh, not because it's flavour of the month, and definitely not because it's an easy or quick way to grow a church. In fact, it's the opposite. It's difficult. It's slow. It is way easier, for example, to grow a mono-ethnic church than one that's culturally diverse. Now, being different together, diversity, is important because I believe that it is God's purpose for his church. Uh, 
So if you were to ask the question, you know, what should church look like, and you were to sit down with a Bible, you would eventually, if you started at the beginning, you would eventually come to a passage like Galatians chapter 3. Now, you'll be relieved this morning, we're not going to read all of the way through that, um, but if you have a Bible, could you turn to Galatians chapter 3? Uh, you might have a paper version, you might have a um, a, a, a tablet or something like that. I'm going to read three or four verses from uh, verse 26. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptised into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God's purpose is to bring together what's divided, to create one out of two. And his story, God's story, is one of breaking down walls between ethnicities, between men and women, between employers and employees, between young and old, between rich and poor. And he does that in Christ. You see that in verse 26. In fact, that's the primary way that the New Testament writers understood what happens when we say yes to Jesus, that we become in Christ. We join his story. So, and rightly so, we say and we invite Jesus into our lives, but way more important, we become part of his story. We become part of his life. We become in Christ. And the way that we mark that is through baptism. You see that in verse 27. So let me go on a slight diversion here. If you're someone that said yes to following Jesus but not yet been baptised, I believe that it is the next step for you. And so we're running a session called What is Baptism on Sunday the 11th of November to really answer that question, what is baptism? And that gets ready for a baptism service here on the 25th of November. And so I'd love you to join us. If you're a follower of Jesus, but not yet been baptised, you can sign up online, riversidevineyard.com forward slash baptism, or you can sign up at the back of the auditorium this morning. What I want to do this morning is just share a few thoughts. I'm going to focus in on cultural diversity. In part, that's because where Paul starts. He talks about neither Jew nor Gentile. But the things that I share are going to be applicable to, uh, to issues of gender and of age, uh, and things like that. So in terms of cultural diversity, the church itself was born 2,000 years ago into a setting of cultural diversity. If you take a look at Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, you'll see in verses 5 to 11 these different nationalities, these cultural um, identities that were around Jerusalem, and it was in that mix of cultural diversity that the church was born. Where we're heading is in humanity, as a humanity, is beautifully captured in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. This is what you'll find written there. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, 
from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Beautiful picture. Let, let me put it into more non-religious language. What do you think you're going to be eating in heaven? Well, I think there's going to be fish and chips. And because I grew up in uh, the south of London, for me, there is going to be mushy peas on the side. Now, I know for some that's controversial. You know, you, some people like mushy peas, some don't. For me, that's what goes with fish and chips. So that will be part of it. But then there's going to be rice and peas from the Caribbean, matuk from East Africa, fufu from Ghana, uh, pounded yam from Nigeria, churrasco barbecue meat from Brazil, chicken tikka masala, which I thought was from India, but apparently it's from Birmingham. Uh, there'll be Belgian chocolates and a glass of French wine or whatever is your drink of choice. There'll be this diverse dinner table. And... Worship is not going to just be in English. I hope that's not a surprise to you that God is not English. English is not the only language of heaven. There's going to be Swahili and Yoruba and Arabic and Hindi and Portuguese and Spanish and Italian and French and thousands more languages giving praise to God. And my point simply is, is that the church today is to point to what's to come. Diversity in unity, people being different together. And so in this journey, here are some of the things that I'm learning. Firstly, this journey needs to start personally. I've shared this before, but I grew up in a very leafy, white suburb of South London. At school, I don't remember any black students. That's in my schooling up to the age of 18. I don't remember any. In the church that I grew up in, I don't remember any non-white people. And so for the first 25 years of my life, the closest relationships were people that looked just like me. Where myself and Bethan joined Riverside Vineyard about 26 years ago, it was 99% white. Incidentally, we're now 47% non-white, uh, with over 45 different nationalities represented, and that is a huge blessing to us. And so for myself now, my life is very enriched personally through connections with people different to me. For the first half of this year, I was in a tri-group, a prayer group, with two other guys, one Ugandan and one Brazilian. Very empowering, very important to me. And the verse that I read from Revelation chapter 7 is now going deeper and deeper into my heart, personally now. I get quite twitchy, I would even say I get a little bit angry when I'm in non-diverse environments. It, it's just not right. It just grates with who I am now. Starts personally. Second thing, it involves some pain and perseverance. You know, as we read on in Galatians, and incidentally, uh, you know, we come to a chapter break at the end of chapter 3, and that wasn't there in the original text. So when people um, sat down with the Bible and translated it, they put in the chapter breaks in order to make it easier to read. 
But in my opinion, in some places, the chapter breaks are not in the most helpful place. And for me, this is one of those places. It's better to read the end of chapter 3 through in to chapter 4. And you, when you read into chapter 4, you'll come across this in verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. In other words, our way in to this new humanity that God is creating is through the redemption of Jesus Christ through his death. It points us to his death on the cross. It took the cross, the painful death of Jesus, to break down dividing walls and to make peace across human divisions in order to create a new humanity. And that reminds us that it is not easy to build relationships with people different to ourselves. Why? Because they're different. Their language is different. They might have an accent that takes some time to tune into. They'll have different cultural traditions. It is so much easier to stay in our comfort zones. And it takes courage to reach out across human divisions. It takes courage to eat food that is spicier than we're used to. And trust me, I've been to some gatherings with Nigerian and Ghanaian people. It takes courage. And it also takes courage to eat food that is blander than you are used to eating. But remember, there is always hot pepper sauce. It takes courage to worship in styles and maybe a language that is not our first choice. It takes courage to be led by people that are different to ourselves. And so we're going to need to embrace some discomfort in order to be different together. I've shared this analogy before. It's an analogy of different coloured marbles that are thrown into a box. And one scenario is that the, 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 the marbles of the same colour just gravitate towards each other. And that is what we tend to do naturally as human beings. For me, that is the issue of multiculturalism in the United Kingdom. There's diversity, but limited integration. The church is to be different. The church is to show a better way. It's not enough for us to be a multicultural church. God is calling us to be an intercultural church, where people of different ethnicities, different genders, ages, backgrounds, life experiences, we don't just come together in order to worship together. We just find ourselves in a room for a moment in time and then disperse. But we're to do life together, where we're reaching across human divisions, we're breaking down walls, simply because we've joined a new story. We've become part of Jesus' story of creating a new humanity. And so maybe, uh, here's some ways of thinking about it. Maybe you're in a, you think about the small group that you're a part of, or a serving team that you're on. And maybe it is culturally diverse. Wonderful. But maybe it's not. And so I'm praying that what I share today just unsettles you a bit. Maybe you think about your friendship circle. 
Maybe if I were to ask you, you're holding a dinner party, you've got 10 invitations, who's on your list? And you think about those 10 people. And maybe that's a culturally diverse list of people. Fantastic. Or maybe you find that circle of people are just like you culturally. And so I'm praying that what I share just discomforts you a little, stirs you. You see, I suspect that most of us agree intellectually with what I've been sharing up to now. The challenge is living it out. And that starts personally, it takes effort, and we're going to need some kind of plan. We're going to need to do something intentionally. And so I'm going to share something that I've shared before in the hope that it catalyzes more. If you go back a chapter in Galatians, back to Galatians chapter 2, you'll find a great story. Galatians was probably written to um, a city called Antioch, to Christians in that place. And Antioch was a very multicultural city. And it was actually the first place where people were called Christians. And the heart of the story in Galatians chapter 2 is a dinner table. And the Apostle Peter turns up in town and he sits down to dinner with people who are different to himself. And he was, he was probably, he, he was a Jewish person, Jewish background. He was probably enjoying the different foods, the different conversations, mixing with people who are different to himself. While he's tucking in around this dinner table, some people of his own cultural background, some Jews, turn up and they confront him. And what Peter does is he goes and joins the Jewish table. And he leaves the culturally diverse table. And what Paul does in his letter to Galatians is he calls out Peter's behaviour. Effectively he says to him, stop it. You're acting like a hypocrite. So the idea that I want to share today is this. Is to invite you, to encourage you to share a table with some people who are culturally different to you. If you were around a year ago, last autumn, we ran something here at Riverside that we called 100 Shared Tables. And we encouraged people to invite someone or some people different to themselves, culturally different, to a table of their choice. And we were hoping that 100 people or families would sign up. In the end, 120 or so families did. And there were some great photos, um, and some of them are up on the screen now. And these were shared on social media, just of people sharing a table. My prayer was that what we did last year would help to change who we are as a church. And I've been really encouraged. I've seen change. I've seen greater integration. But there is always more. And so what I want to do today is to invite us to do the same again or to continue to do that, to press into that. But this time, there's no signing up. Why is that? Well, it's really important that we reach across these human divisions into different cultures simply because we want to write a new story rather than just being part of a program. This is to become, you know, to change us, to transform us rather than a piece of paper that we sign. And so the challenge is very simple. It's to ask someone of a different culture 
to share some food with you around the table of your choice. Now it's great if you can invite someone into your own home and for some that will be possible, for others it's not a thing you can do. And so maybe for you then it's better to go out to, to Nando's or McDonald's or a coffee shop, some environment like that. So all you need to do is invite someone. And there's a great opportunity to do that today. You see, the chances are, within about five feet from where you're sitting, is someone who is of a different ethnicity to yourself. And so you can invite them today, just have a look around. I would love you to post some pictures of your shared tables. Uh, use the hashtag different together. Why is, why is that important? It's important because we're wanting to be part of writing a new story, of telling the world around us that Jesus is creating a new humanity that reaches across human divisions. And if we don't tell the story, people won't know. Now, as I share this, you might be thinking, you know, Andy, that's pushing me out of my comfort zone. There's not really a gracious way of me replying anything other than, well, yes, it is. I am pushing us out of our comfort zone. And I'm doing so because that's where we grow. We grow when we're outside of our comfort zones. So are we up for this? Are you up for inviting someone who's different to you around a table? To share some time? To share some food? If you are. And I hope that many, many of us are. Then invite someone today, take a look around, make an invitation. The text that we read in Galatians chapter 3 is quite similar to a text that Paul writes that you'll find in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read that as we come towards a close this morning. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 to 16. He says, for he himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Two are made one through the cross of Jesus Christ. His death cries out, it is finished. It is finished to hostility, to division, to sexism, to ageism, to racism. It is finished. The end has begun. A new day is coming when what God created becomes all that he intended it to be. And every one of us is invited to that party. And we say yes to that party. We say yes to that invitation by saying yes to Jesus Christ. A primary way that we remember what Jesus has done is through his invitation to a table. He invites us to a shared table, a table where diversity comes together. 
It's the Lord's table, to communion, to the Lord's Supper, because that points us to a dinner table. It points us to a meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he died on the cross. And one thing Jesus said during that last supper at that shared table was that we should do the same in order to remember. Now, remember means to recall. And so in communion, we recall the death of Jesus Christ, his broken body, his blood shed for each of us. To remember literally means to remember. It's the opposite of dismember, which means to tear apart, to break apart. And so as Jesus took bread and he broke it, he said that it was broken for us. A humanity that is broken and divided, separated from one another and separated from God. But we are remembered in Christ. Jesus' death on the cross creates a new humanity. The walls of division and hostility are broken down. And any ways in which we've been dismembered from one another, any ways in which we've been torn apart, broken apart, where walls have been created, where divisions have been put in place, in any ways in which we've been dismembered from one another, we are remembered in Christ. We're invited into a new story. Jesus also took a cup of wine. Here at Riverside this morning, we're using grape juice. And Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so we're going to share a table together this morning. In all of our wonderful diversity, telling a new story of a new humanity in Christ. And so the way that we're going to share communion this morning is through a number of tables around the auditorium. I thought that it would be great to share one table in the middle, but then that just there's just too many of us, and so that wasn't going to work. So there are a number of tables, some at the front and some at the back. Simply go to a table, tear off a piece of bread, dip the bread in the grape juice, take communion that way, and then could you turn around and serve the person behind you with the bread and the grape juice. If you need gluten-free bread, that is on the table just to the left of the stage. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're reaching out to him, you're welcome to share communion with us today at these shared tables. And so once we've taken communion together, uh, the band are going to come up, they're going to lead us in a response of worship. If you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, if uh, there's something in your body, in your life that hurts, something physically, in your heart, um, in, the, in the way that you're thinking, if you're facing circumstances and you'd love some people to pray with you this morning, then after we've shared communion and in this setting of worship, why don't you just come to these areas of the front and one or two people will come and join you and pray with you this morning.